0: Please pray with me. (coughs) Holy Father, by the clearness and the brightness of your holy word, may all the world come within your saving embrace. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, One day in late March or early April, actually kind of like this time of year where you're kind of on the cusp of winter, cusp of spring, winter holds on too tightly, (laughs) Um, during my sophomore year of college, During that season, I arrived to the building where my class was supposed to be held, and I was delighted to find a sign that said that class was canceled due to a power outage. It was like, it's like a snow day without the snow, right? All of the things that you are supposed to do are cleared, um, and then, to top it all off, it was the most beautiful day, and... Uh, kind of a first day of spring. So it was, again, l- winter had been dreary and hanging on tightly, and then suddenly it was 70 degrees um, and we're free. Like, class was canceled, power outage, couldn't really be in the dorm. Um, it, was, it was kind of an amazing, delightful gift of a day. Um, it was such an unexpected and surprising day of rest. Um, now the college that I went to is renowned for its seriousness. Um, which you can see, I probably should have gone to a place that was a little less serious, right? With my brow that is always furrowed. It is a place, at least at the time, with no dancing. Um, Historically, it had no cards. Um, Very studious. Um, At least at that time, it was renowned for being most nostalgic for Ronald Reagan. It was a very serious, studious place. Um, It's uh, up in uh, Princeton Review of Colleges, it's Stone Cold Sober, right next to Brigham Young University. So that's a little bit of the, the background. But for once, when the power was out and all the responsibilities that everybody had were sort of disrupted by this power outage, the social pressure tipped over to rest and recreation on campus. And so it was, it was truly the cliche of students playing Frisbee in the quad um, or probably playing hacky sack, right? That That was the time. I actually, on that day, I had friends who invited me to play golf, which I had never played golf before, but they're like, well, it's a beautiful day. You should play golf with us. So I played golf for the first time, and one of the only times in my life. It was a day of rest and recreation. It was a day of celebration. It was a sudden day of liberty and of rest. And then uh, the next day, the power came back on, and things on campus went back to normal. Um, I-, I hoped that maybe it was a plan of the administration to try to loosen us up, but no, it never came back again. <laughs> things back went back to order. Today is the great feast of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the great feast of rest for God's people. And Easter Sunday was a historical day. It was a day that existed in time, um, but it's also a day that changes all time forevermore after. It wasn't just a one-off respite from work or study or the different things that we strive for. Jesus' resurrection changed everything after it. Things didn't just go back to normal. Jesus' resurrection opened to us the gate of everlasting life, and abundant life. And it opened that gate that once we walk through, we are called to walk in it the rest of our lives, walk in abundant life, not just on Easter Sunday that comes around once a year or on Sundays that come around once a week or the various ways that we have devotion um, throughout our weeks or our days or the enjoyment of Christian fellowship, but always, to having gone through those gates of everlasting life, to live and walk in abundant life. Jesus' resurrection changed everything. Now, our reading from Exodus describes uh, an event that changed everything for the Israelites. It describes a sudden and dramatic liberation um, from Egypt after 430 years. And beginning with the Passover, Passover Supper on the first day, which was described in chapter 12 of Exodus, the israelites began a 3-day path of deliverance a 3-day path of deliverance from slavery and affliction into liberation for the israelites those 3 days that exodus changed everything but this first exodus that first exodus wasn't an end in and of itself as we see as we'll see today it pointed ahead to the new exodus in jesus christ the new exodus of Jesus' death and resurrection and ultimately his ascension. On the night of the first day in the first exodus, the Israelites kept the Passover feast and they slaughtered a spotless lamb and they spread its blood across the doorposts with a hyssop branch. And that night after that same meal, God's judgment um, came upon those who were not in a household that had observed that feast that same night, all the firstborn of Egypt, all those who were not within that household, um, were, uh, were killed. And Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, get out of here as quickly as you can. And you know that this is the culmination of um, of 10 plagues as well that had come, which Pharaoh had so hard and um, uh, uh, stubborn in holding on and keeping the people in, in uh, subjection and affliction. But that very same night with this sign, they were sent out and sent out with, with the riches. And you could say the blessing, but it was more send them out so that we don't all die altogether because of their presence. And so that very night they went out. The Israelites traveled through the wilderness two days. And finally they set up camp beside the Red Sea. Now, even though the Israelites had been set free so suddenly, so um, clearly by the act of God and were on the Lord's miraculous path of deliverance, they were still, even as that moment as they came to the sea, tempted to despair. They were tempted even to return to slavery. It's a terrible thing to read where they say, couldn't you have just left us alone in slavery rather than bringing us out to death? But let's not be too hasty um, to pronounce judgment over, over the Israelites. Because if we take a step back, again, from an earthly perspective, from a perspective of what is possible, they were in a hopeless position. They were justified in feeling that hopelessness from an earthly position. They had powerful slave masters with much more powerful military pursuit in chariots against men and women and children. And then at their back, or as God was saying, at your front, they had this impassable and deadly obstacle of the Red Sea. And so God told them to turn turn actually toward the sea and that he would make a way of deliverance. In that moment, the Israelites were faced with a decision. Would they trust in the Lord and in his servant Moses? Or would they indeed return to slavery and cruelty under Pharaoh? And probably many of them even die in, the event, in that event anyway. It was a decision that required a posture. What are you going to turn towards? Pharaoh or the Lord? Pharaoh's power or the Lord's power? The Lord's command? The Lord's deliverance? And God said, turn towards the sea and I will stand against your enemy. Trust in my salvation. Don't remain in despair of death and its shadow, but walk in the freedom that I have promised you. Now, by earthly possibilities, again, the situation was hopeless. And um, Andy, as he preached for us very aptly um, at our Easter vigil last night, pointed out it's, it's similar to the vision of the dry bones in Ezekiel. How God asks um, Ezekiel, as he sees this valley of dry bones, asks, asks the prophet, can these bones live? And Andy pointed out, again, the real answer is no. <laughs> but you, O oh Lord, know. By the prophet's own power, by any of our own power, these bones cannot live, but by the power of God, they can be raised up. And so by earthly possibilities, again, it was hopeless, but this was not about earthly possibilities, but heavenly provision and deliverance. So is there a way through the sea? No. But Lord, you know. And so the people, in, um, in faith, in hope in the Lord, turned their back to their enemies. They faced the sea, and the Lord faced their enemies for them. And God opened up a way through the sea and through these waters. And when their enemy, Pharaoh, pursued them, he was destroyed along with all his armies and horsemen. And when the sun rose on the third day, this third day of deliverance, They saw their enemy washed up, dead, on the shore. Their enemy no more. Their enemy having no more power over them. The great three days of Jesus' passion, which we've observed um, over this last week, mark a new exodus for God's people. It began with Passover supper on Monday, Thursday, remembering Jesus sharing a meal with his last supper with his disciples. And through Jesus' blood shed on Good Friday, all who believe in him are saved. And death passes over. And in his passage through death, Jesus overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. But today, we're on the first day of the week. Today, on Easter Sunday, on the first day of the week, we are invited to celebrate and enter into Jesus' rest and new creation, that Jesus' resurrection changes everything. He invites us to enter his rest, the rest of his completed work, not just on Easter, but always, practicing that abundant life at all times. Now, Jesus' path of deliverance um, before his disciples, before all of his contemporaries, was not obvious, and it didn't seem sure by earthly um, powers and estimations. His disciples were tempted to despair and to deny, and even to betray and resist him. To them, the cross and the way that Jesus was walking was a way of shame and a way of death and a way that was leading to destruction. It was not a way of salvation by earthly terms, by earthly power. But through his son Jesus, God faced down death. And when the sun rose on the third day, when those came to the tomb, Jesus was risen and death was defeated. Now, if I hadn't enjoyed the power outage day um, many years ago, I wouldn't have much of a story to tell. I would maybe remember that it was a day um, where there was an opportunity to take rest, but I didn't, and maybe I'd feel self-righteous about it, like those other slothful people, and I worked hard. Would I remember that day if I'd taken it as just an opportunity to work harder, to study harder, to, to um, pursue things according to my own priorities. I don't, I don't think so. It would be a very bad sermon illustration. The truth of that is you can be set free. You can be set at liberty and not really enjoy freedom. You can be tempted to satisfy your former taskmaster, that being free and being stray are two different things. The time off and rest don't necessarily go hand in hand. I think probably many of us experience that. You have time off every weekend and do you just feel like it's still a bit of a grind. Likewise, but of much more infinite gravity, salvation through Jesus Christ isn't just uh, something that exists in time. It's not just an intellectual abstraction or something that you just kind of a- assent to. It's not something that we agree to or just talk about, but it's something that we walk in and practice. And in his letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul encouraged Christians to do this, to practice this in very practical ways. But it sounds as that he's saying, like, escape. You know, think of only things in heaven. But what he's really saying is set aside just those earthly boundaries of what is possible what is priority? What is, what is powerful? What um, is the way to get ahead? And instead, daily seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. To set our mind not on things of earth, the things that just lead us into despair or temptation or sin, that limit us in thinking only of what is earthly possible, earthly possible. But to focus and to put our hope in the salvation that comes down from heaven. That we are called to enjoy the rest of Jesus' defeat of sin and death today and every day, not merely in memorial, just at specific times, but all the time in practice. That we are called in practice to turn our back to the slavery of sin and turn toward the freedom and the rest of salvation and enjoy the abundant life today. For God today, in this moment, at every moment, fights against our enemies for us and has indeed defeated them. Now, not unlike the Israelites, not unlike the disciples, we ourselves need encouragement to persevere in faith and hope, to practice faith and hope. Even years after we first believed, we might still have an appeal to the aspects of the former life of slavery. As we think of the Israelites, even after their enemies were drowned by the sea, years later they were thinking, oh, but like the cucumbers were so good in Egypt. There are ways that we can still be tempted to, um, to think back to slavery in ways that are distorted. And wilderness and the slavery to sin can still seem very close at hand. It is indeed very close at hand. And our own mortal death um, and the death of those around us looms ahead. And in this world, as people, we will have trouble. But that does not mean that our salvation is insecure. For our life is hidden in Christ and God. And therefore we are to seek the face of Jesus who is your life and in whom there is abundant life at all times. For Jesus opened the gate of life not merely to give us moments of happiness in the midst of hardship, but to open the way of abundant life today, that even though we suffer, even though we are daily dying to self, we are living through Christ. And so have courage. Christ has overcome the world. Fear not, he put death and despair to death and left them in the tomb. Um, I think it's a great image to think of why was the face cloth folded, (laughs) right? It's like Jesus takes it off and neatly folds it and sets it aside. It is folded. All those things are folded up and set aside, never to come out of the tomb again. We are no longer slaves to death and the terror of death, but are set free to live and to rest and to witness to the life of Jesus Christ witnessing in our word and our action in daily practice. Friends, celebrate this day of resurrection, of new creation. Enter into Jesus' rest and enjoy and celebrate um, and feast in celebration of that abundant life today. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.